Hi, I'm Lori. And I'm Kevin. And this is No Longer Ashamed. We are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And we're here to share with you that if you're a survivor, you don't have to be alone. Our logo is a salamander. And the reason is a fire salamander can survive a fire and you have survived a fire. We want to help you with your journey to healing and hope. We are all survivors together and we walk this journey together. And you are not alone. By telling our stories, we are hoping that you will have the courage to share in your stories as well and find your voice. Because stories are so important. And for so long, I know that I wouldn't tell my story. But when I finally shared my story, that's when I got my freedom. And this is our journey and your journey to healing and hope. So come with us. Well, our guest tonight is Sandra, and Kevin's going to introduce her. So Sandra is someone I met when I went to Las Vegas, and my nephew has a ministry there, and I met Sandra through his ministry, and she has shared with me some of her story, and I said, well, we would love to have you as a guest on our podcast, and so she's felt led by God to come and share. So she has... um, YouTube following Sandra Sunshine, and <laughs> and I've become one of her followers. And so we're going to have Sandra on tonight to share her story. Awesome, Sandra. We're so glad you're here. All righty then. Well, my name is Sandra, and my nickname is Sunshine. I've had that for a really long time, which is really interesting because no matter what I went through, I tried to just smile through it all, which is That was something that God placed in me that I didn't even know that God had placed in me when I was a really little child. So I'm just going to start. When I was five, I was being babysat by a neighbor. His name is Armand. He's passed away now. Again, that was a long time ago. I am 63 years old. So I have a lot of story, but I'm going to shorten it to ask what the Lord wants me to share. So Armand knew my parents and he babysat myself and my younger brother. And he had three sons of his own ages, 12, 10, and three. And so he saw that my mom abused me and like all the the things, I hate you. I wish you were never born. I got that my whole life. So he saw that. And so he babysat us while his wife went to work. And so he started grooming me at the age of five. Basically, I had long blonde hair, cute little, we lived in California. This all happened in California. Cute little California, tan little girl. And he would read stories to me on his lap. He would rub my hair and tell me how beautiful I was and that he loved me. I didn't even know because I never got love in my life, in my little five years of life. I just got hatred and just abuse from my mom terribly. I think Actually, from when I was little, my big brother told me stories later. So anyways, thank you, Jesus. I just squirreled. He started grooming me and he did this for a long time. It wasn't a short period of time to where I loved him. He gave me extra treats and he did all these extra things for me that he didn't do for the boys. And then one day he took me into this room and they had this old, which is crazy. They don't have them anymore. It was supposed to be to lose weight. It was this machine you stood on and it it wrapped the belt around you and shook you like that. So he put me on that and started fondling me and it went on from there. So I really feel like I'm going to share some raw stuff. He groomed me to do things with his sons. He taught his sons how to have sex with me while he masturbated. And, and then 
all kinds of other things, which I'm not going to go into, but that happened to me and until I was 12, until he actually had sex with me. And yeah, and, and God took me away from there by my dad had to move because of his job. And we moved two cities away from Redondo Beach, which that's where that all happened to, we moved to Tustin, California. Because of that, at age 12, I started drinking with my cousins and then dabbling. Well, I didn't just go to weed. I was doing anything I could to not remember. And that just led me down a spiral of more abuse and more abuse because I, I didn't know anything else. During that time, I ran away from home and I ended up in the juvenile court system because I kept running away from home because my mom beat me. And when I say that she beat me, it was with a belt buckle and like anything she could get her hands on. Um, She shoved my head down a toilet during this time before I ended up in juvenile hall. I ended up an older boy, ended up having sex with me and I got pregnant. I didn't even know what pregnant was. And I might cry in this because I still have a hard time with this one. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. But God uses everything. Right. It wasn't meant to be. It was never meant to be. But he uses it. He can use it. Right. And I talk talk with my hands. So I forget Yeah, and that's awesome. (laughs) Charnel does too. (laughs) Thank you. If you grab my hands when I'm talking, I stop talking because I, I, yeah. Okay. So back to that. You got pregnant. Right. And so I didn't even know what was wrong with me. I was like sick to my stomach every morning. And my mom, my, my mother knew God rest her soul. I say that because she got saved later and we had Mm. a good relationship when she died at 89 years old. So, Mm. um, Anyways, so for three months, I was throwing up and my stomach was growing and I didn't know what was wrong. And so they, my mom took me to the doctors and of course they said I was pregnant and it was like right at the thing back. Okay. remember I'm 63. So it was like at the thing where you couldn't have an abortion and I didn't want to have an abortion. I wanted to keep the baby and give it up for adoption. I was 13 years old when this happened. So the doctor said that I could make up my own mind. When my mom got me home, she beat me and she put a butcher knife to my stomach and said, I was going to have an abortion or she was going to cut it out. And with all the abuse I'd had up to then, I believed that she would do that. Then she made me, because my, my real father was not in the picture. She made me get down on my hands and knees and kiss my stepfather's feet and ask for forgiveness for humiliating our family with this, not asking how I got pregnant. And then during that time, my, my stepfather was my savior. He would stop my mom from abusing me. And he came home drunk one night and then he sexually assaulted me. And he was the only man in my life that I trusted. He, I trusted him with everything and loved him. And that just totally destroyed me. It destroyed, I can't tell you the inside. It just, just destroyed me. And so then I had to have the abortion and I ended up in the hospital because I started hemorrhaging and I was in the hospital for a while. And so thank you, Jesus. My life went on and then I started running away from home and got in the the foster home system. No, not that yet. I'm getting ahead of myself because this is a really important thing. Before I end up getting in juvenile hall, I started babysitting for some neighbors that were Christians that went to the Calvary Chapel with the Jesus Revolution. And I got saved Mm -hmm. and baptized in the Pirate's Cove 
that's in that movie. So I knew what, who Jesus was and that he loved me. And they kept taking me to church until they had to move away for his job. And then all my church going stopped and my mom's abuse got worse. So I started really got in with some kids that I don't say wrong kids because they had things that happened to them and we were doing dope and like anything drinking and all the things and so I just kept running away because my mom was abusing me so bad terribly and so I ended up in juvenile hall and they put me in a foster home and they were satanic literally worshipped satan they had a little baby with a pentagram on the crib this bible that they had the the um the satanic bible was passed down the paper was parchment paper literally we did spells and they did work so and then i realized this was wrong that jesus loved me and that he didn't want me going that way but i you know i'm so grateful for that jesus loved me because he knew that was coming and i got saved to where i knew that this was wrong. And, but you know what? I could have went and been a Satan um, worshiper because of the anger and the hate that I had still in my heart. But I knew that this was wrong because the stuff that they did, you know, they, they used runaway girls and they, they're called breeders and they, they have doctors that deliver the babies and then they kill them and drink their blood for sacrifice. So that is really real. It really happened. I started running away from there and no one believed me because I was just this lying, incorrigible, runaway girl. So I kept running away and running away. The last time I ran away and the police brought me back, I damaged the police car and they put me in juvenile hall and I got in trouble for breaking state or government property, which kept me in juvenile hall, which kept me away from them. And I never mm. went back there again. So, and then I ended up getting emancipated at age 16, California. Yes. Made me an adult at 16. And a few months later, I ended up getting married to an abuser that my nose has been broken. He kicked my front teeth out. It just went on. My life has went like that. So I'm just going to fast forward. So I want to talk about how I got in Jacksonville, Florida, how I got rescued out of prostitution and human trafficking by a ministry called Rethreaded. Actually, I got my um, survivor advocate name is Erin, and I trust her with my life. So I ended up getting clean. And that's another thing that I need to say is I kept trying to get clean all these years. I'd get like five years clean. And then I, and then I would get triggered, which I didn't realize that's what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. And I would relapse. And then I was, I hated myself because I'm like, you're just going to end up. I was an Ivy chunky. I mean, like I stuck needles in my arms. I did whatever to change the way I feel and to forget the nightmares and stuff. And so I really thought I was going to die like that. And I have children so that the people um, understand out there because I can't tell the whole story, but I have five children. I have nine grandchildren and I have four great granddaughters, which the Lord has restored our family together and he's saving individuals one by one. So God is in this story. And so anyways, I had been trafficked. I ended up at this ministry that helped women that came out of the sex trade and human trafficking to learn how to make things, like to work there and make things. And I had two years clean and I got triggered. My youngest, I'm not going to say that because that's her story. I went to somebody's house and basically said, get me some dope with some colorful words, which was crazy because I was serving the Lord 
and like living for him. And then I got triggered really bad and ended up in this trap house. If you don't know what a trap house is, it's where they sell dope and they traffic women. So I ended up in this trap house and they're like, I don't want you to relapse, like blah, blah. So I'm like, look, you either you get me the dope or somebody else will. And this person knew that if I got the dope that I would share with her. So she went and I, I ended up relapsing on heroin and crack. And I was in this house for seven days. And during this time, I have this necklace. A lady gave it to me two weeks before I relapsed. And she said, I'm just learning to do what God says. And I feel like I'm supposed to give you this. And she said, I made this necklace myself. It gold and it has the number seven. And she explained to me for seven times 70, how where to forgive and how he forgives. And on the back, it said Yahweh. And then on the side, it has a real ruby for the drop of blood. So I had that necklace on in this trap house. And so this, this young lady who had trafficked me before, my trafficker was a woman. It was not a man. I got trafficked by a woman to a man and then trafficked. So, because it's not always men. Mm. There are women traffickers as well. So, oh, I just got hot. Thank you, Jesus. I sat there and like had that necklace and I was like doing this, like rubbing it back and forth, crying, saying, Sandra, what are you doing? Sandra, what are you doing? And getting high and not getting high enough. The memories and the, the stuff, I just couldn't, it couldn't make it go away. On the seventh day, I audibly heard the voice of God say, Sandra, you need to tell on yourself before it's too late. And then I got this vision of this young lady that was 90 pounds, teeth all like messed up. And I ran out of there. But that young lady tried to traffic me again. And I refused. I said, I've already relapsed. I'm not going that far to give my body back up again after not being celibate and, and feeling somewhat clean. Um, so I ran out. And I told my AA sponsor, and then I called my survivor advocate. So they helped me. And I stopped answering the phone for the, these people that were trying to get me back to the, the um, trap house. And I ended up getting fired from the job because you had to be clean to be at that job. But they had a, a Zoom call and they said to me, Sandra, we've all been praying about this. And um, we believe that you need to go to a place where you can rest and where you can finally heal and where you don't have to worry about monetary stuff like paying the bills and stuff and I just laughed at them I mean I was like crying and laughing like where is a place that I can go that it's not going to cost me any money that I can get help and they said trust us and I did interviews after interviews and then this one interview I did with the lady and the young lady that was learning what do you call it a mentee from my survivor advocate she was on the phone with them and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me it's not that place that I want you to go to. The place that, that I have for you is beautiful and you're not going to want to leave. So I told her, it's not that place. Well, I get a phone call from my survivor advocate and she says, you have an appointment to call at 10 o'clock in the morning and it has to be sharp at 10 o'clock. And that was with Robin Smith with Refuge for Women here in Las Vegas. She interviewed me and then they sent me the paperwork and I was accepted. They said yes, which it really was that God said yes sorry. So I gave up my life there and literally got on a plane within, it was like a week and a half. They got me rethreaded who I had basically screwed by getting high and all of that loved me and got me on a plane and paid for the plane to get here to refuge for women. And that was November 20th, 2018. 
when I walked in, I will never forget, there was a sign that said, welcome home, Sandra. And it had all these signatures from the ladies that were there in the house and all the staff there. And, and I just knew that this is the place that God had for me, for me to finally at 59 years old, get help to really get help. Was it easy? No, it was super hard. The stuff I had to face, all the stuff I had to face was super hard. I started counseling every week. I still see that counselor every Monday. They have paid for me to go counseling because God is slowly, he's such a gentleman. He doesn't have you remember everything all at one time. It's what he knows you can handle and say yes to. So anyways, I went through that and graduated September 7th, 2019, and then went to their transitional housing. And before I graduated, I was listening to a staff member talk to a graduate that was there, and she was telling her about this chaplaincy program here with Messengers of Faith Ministries that deal a lot with the Metro Police Department. That's where all the classes are, and, and they're very involved with Metro. And the Lord said to me, I want you to do that. And I mean, like, you have to understand, it was really hard for me to, I had quit school in the ninth grade and all the book works, I had to like read extra than the young girls that were younger that could just whiz through the classes that I couldn't do that. I had to work hard to do this. And I was like, I don't want to do that. That's going to be hard. And he said, it's a door to open other doors. And I knew that I had to do it. So I asked her. And so when I graduated, I immediately got in touch with them and they accepted me. And so I'm a chaplain with Messengers of Faith Ministries now. So I went through the transitional period and then I got hooked up with who I'm still hooked up with now, True ID. True ID is another ministry that helps women coming out of the sex trade and human trafficking with affordable housing that's safe. And you have to be a part of their Bible study and all kinds of things to be a part of, to live here. Where I live is a ministry house. And this August will be two years that I've lived here. Mm -hmm. I'm actually an apprentice with them now because I left out that two, three years ago, Refuge for Women hired me and I'm a night staff now, giving back to where I graduated from and praying with the girls and sharing my testimony and showing them that if they do what is asked of them and really trust the Lord and not have a superficial relationship, because I've seen the women that's had a superficial relationship and just do all the Christianese things that they think that they're supposed to say, and then go back out there. It has to be Jesus for real. You have to like trust Jesus and also community. I have such a big community, Pastor Sean's house. I have a number of that Erica, his mother-in-law that knows me that I'm transparent with. That's another thing is being transparent, even when it hurts to let them know you're struggling so that we don't end up back out there again. Cause I don't ever want to go back to that life again. Literally, I would rather die and go be with Jesus than step back in that life again. So anyways, I'm with True ID and I'm working for refuge. I'm getting ready to be an apprenticeship again with True ID. Because my goal is to be on staff with Refuge and to be on staff with True ID in helping the girls that are coming in that need help to guide them, to mentor them. And all of this is because Jesus loved me and I said yes to Jesus over and over and over again. Like I said, I go to counseling every Monday. I try to be involved in you know, Pastor Sean's church in ministry. I go out on the strip and do street ministry to the ladies that are there. Yeah. 
I do whatever the Lord leads me to. Sometimes it's really hard. I was really nervous about this. But I want people to know that there is healing behind all that. And that I know I was angry with God. Well, actually, I love Jesus. I didn't understand this. I love Jesus and was pissed at God. And I found that out at refuge. I didn't know that could be possible. I I didn't understand. And one of the staff members helped me out. I got triggered. I realized I was so mad at God. She brought it out of me because why didn't he stop this from happening? But then as she explained to me and I understood because the Lord wants me to say this, as I understood, we live in a fallen world and that Armin was not following after Jesus. And I have forgiven Armin. I have cried because I used to say there's a special place in hell. And I hope that he went there. And I mean, I would feel acid dripping off my tongue. And then when I found forgiveness and really found forgiveness, I was so convicted that I wanted him to go to hell. I don't want anyone to go there. No one that's done anything to me. And I just, you got to, I'm 63. He's already passed away, but I prayed, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I prayed that he found you before he took his last breath, that he didn't have to go to hell. And so I have forgiven my perpetrators. And, and I tell that to people, it is possible. And it's the only way that we can get well is forgiveness because God forget, he doesn't look at my sins and their sins any different. And also he showed me that something happened to Armin. Someone did something to him that made him like that. Does it make it right? No. And something that I got told what happened to my mom. She was abused like that, even like worse than she did to me. So I understood and I found forgiveness for my mom. Like I said, me and my big brother took care of my mother till she passed away when she was 89. And I miss my mom. Now, sometimes I really want to call my mom. And then I just smile and thank God that I have forgiven her, that I can miss my mom and not hate her because I know where she's at. She got saved. She's waiting for me. So I, I don't know. I just keep hearing Sandra talk about forgiveness, God's forgiveness and him helping me to forgive all of these things. And I'm still, like I said, I go to counseling. I do EMDR. It helps me so much because I still get triggered by things that happen that I didn't remember that God is allowing me because he wants me all healed. He wants it all gone. He doesn't want me carrying any crap anymore. And, but he's a gentleman. He does it little by little and it's all forgiveness. So it all goes back to forgiving the perpetrators, what they did and knowing because God forgives me. How I how can I not forgive them when God has forgiven me for all I did all like bad things. You know, I didn't go into all the bad things I did, but I did lots of bad things out there. How can I not forgive? How can I not forgive? And it's so freeing because forgiveness is not for them. It's for me. It's my healing, you know, because they're going around in their life not even caring about what they did to me and not even thinking about me. So it's for me. And I'm so grateful that Lord brought me here to Las Vegas to Las Vegas, to Sin City, for me to get clean, for me to get my freedom, because the Lord led me here. And now he has me here. And basically, that house is the house that I didn't want to leave. It was beautiful. It had a sparkling pool. It has a sparkling pool. And the love of Jesus is in there that I, like, I felt out from those neighbors that led me to the Lord in Tustin. And uh, that house had the love. 
and true ID has the love of Jesus. And now I have the love of Jesus and pass that on. It's all about forgiveness. Yes. So Sandra, I is this connected with Annie? No. Okay. So I love it that you say, and I don't love it, but that they asked you to go somewhere where you could be all about healing and not work. Because I feel like sometimes there's just this feeling of you get rescued or you get Jesus and everything's fine. And what Kevin and I have seen over and over is we get triggered. All the work we've done, we get triggered. And that People really do, when they're coming out of extreme trauma, abuse, trafficking, they need a place to land. And our friend Julie, who just wrote a book called Shadowed, her her organization she works with is I'm on Watch. And she was Mm -hmm. away in counseling, away from her family and her kids for over six years. So can you talk about that recovery process and why it's so important that you have the support that these ministries are doing? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I got asked, right. And I was just the last couple of days writing about this, that I would have died a junkie. I mean, I would have went, you know, because I had been saved, but literally I needed to get away from my family too. Like my youngest daughter and I, her testimonies out there, we used together and we were dying together. So my other families were like, like in other states and I had, I had to go away. And it was the hardest thing that I forgot. I went to see her and um, I prayed with her and told her mom wasn't abandoning her, but that we were like killing each other. And I needed to go away to get help. It was the hardest thing because the enemy you're abandoning her. I had to go. I had to go away. I had to go to, and I mean, they take your cell phones and all this stuff and the people you're only allowed four people that you can be in contact with and they have to interview them to make sure they're safe and not going to trigger you and stuff. So, and you're in this house, you go out to church and that, but basically you're here with loving people that love Jesus, but you go to counseling every week, man. I didn't realize how much that I needed that. And I didn't realize that's why I kept relapsing because I had all of this stuff inside, mm-hmm. all of these holes inside me and all these wounds inside me that I couldn't stay clean. And I tried, I did the AA, I did NA, I did everything you could think of to stay clean. And I, I would stay clean for a little while and then the nightmares and all the stuff happened. And then I just go out and get high. They kept you in here and with the classes and that you have to get help. You can't just, I mean, I've seen a few people in my life where they've accepted Jesus and they were addicts and stuff, just totally their lives get boom. That's a miracle. Like we're all miracles, but that's a like real miracle. They didn't have to go nowhere. I had to go somewhere. I'm still seeing my counselor. I still have community of refuge. Even though I work there, I still have a a program director from the transitional house that checks on me and all that. I'm still in the center of all of that because it's the best life I've ever had in my whole life. It's the best life I've ever had. And I'm so grateful that Rethreaded didn't just fire me, that they prayed because they loved Jesus and they knew that I had to go somewhere and rest and get help. They knew. I didn't think I needed that long, a year long time. I didn't, you know, but the Lord knew and he loved me much. 
when you think about how long you've been developing those coping skills that you had, which were the drugs and alcohol and so forth, which I know because I did that as well. And we learn those methods of coping when we have triggers. And so it's so easy to relapse because we didn't learn any other coping skills. We didn't know any other way of coping with those night terrors, with the triggers, with all the things. And they worked. I mean, they, they didn't work well. No. They, <laughs> and only they for were, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they work for a little bit. They destroy our lives, but they worked uh-huh. well enough that that's what we knew. And so you had to go somewhere to learn something new. Ew. And that's what you're still doing. And so when you learned these new things, did you feel like this was a way of getting a, a new beginning for you? Oh, yeah. Mine, yeah, my life is not the same. It's just not the same. The Lord has been using me to lately to help other women that they've been calling me. They're starting to remember things where the coping skills I'm learning now, the EMDR, left, right, left, right, all the different things that my counselor has taught me. I'm because these girls can't go to counseling. They don't have the money that I can help them and I can pray with them and, and they know that I've been through it. And so I can help a a little bit until they can get to someone. I'm not professional. I'm just a Jesus lover that has been helped and is still being helped that I'm willing to like, my phone is on. When I give my phone number, I don't turn my phone off at night because that's usually when people need you to listen to them or they need you to pray with them because it's in the nighttime. It's not the daytime, the nighttime. And I tell them, I also have kids and, you know, kids call mom when things happen, but mainly I do it for young women and men too. Look, I'm not on that. Men are trafficked as well. Little boys are, are, are groomed and then they're trafficked. So, you know, they, people don't talk about that. Yeah. Well, and I think when people do get away, for instance, they've been maybe using drugs, they don't even really know they were trafficked, but they get into clean and sober housing and they have all this trauma, they relapse. And often what happens is, bam, you're out of here. They put you back out on the street and here you love Jesus. You know, you can't do it. You know, I I mean, I hear this, the women, they pray, they're asking God, but they need people that don't just pull out the rug and say, you blew it. A relapse is we go back to what we know. And so I love it that, you know, you are helping these women knowing that maybe they're still on the street. Maybe they're still doing whatever they have to do to survive, but they know that you're there. They know they can touch base with you. And when the time comes, they know they can get the help. And um, I just wish more people understood. It's a much bigger process than- I I talked to one of the young ladies. She shared some things with me. And I like, I told her, man, there's no judgment in me. I understand. So don't be ashamed. And the Lord had- me share something with her that I've only shared with my counselor, Robin Smith, and one other woman, literally look her in the face and share this, what Armin had me do, because the Lord said she needs to hear you say that. And she lost it because something similar had happened to her. And she was so ashamed and hated herself. And she was six years old when it happened. I was eight. I can remember that day. 
and I told her, I don't have shame in sharing it. The Lord only has me share it because it's pretty atrocious. But for those that need to hear that, because he lets me know they had similar something happen. So I have no judgment. How am I to judge? I mean, God says we, we judge things, but not like that. That you love and you look at them with the love of Jesus and try and help them however you can. Because that's yeah. what people do for me. Well, and I'm... they're still doing it for me. <laughs> and that's the thing it's so easy for people to give up on someone when they relapse or when they have a trigger and they're they're losing it but that's the thing jesus does not give up on us jesus no. will never give up on us and and no. that's what we need to do for others is never give up just keep right. keep on being there for them and that's that's what saved you and that's yeah. why you're able to help others is you don't have judgment, there's no shame, and you're willing to be there. Yes, yes. And I don't have shame now because you know what? The things that happened to me happened to me. The things that I did, I did. God's forgiven me of all of that. And I've forgiven what I remember as, and I'm, you know, forgiving that I can share my story. I just get nervous, but I share whatever God wants me because it's really not my story. So it's Jesus's story. It's, he was with me from the time that I was little. I know like God gave me a picture of when Armin was doing the things that Jesus was crying and he was screaming in his ear for him not to do that, but he was listening to the other voice. And that is so powerful to me that all through this stuff, even when I was sticking a needle in my arm, listen, I used to get high and watch Christian TV and fall and get my Bible out and cry out to God and get high and seriously get my Bible out. And it was traumatic. I didn't want to do that. I knew that Jesus didn't want me to, but I didn't know what to do. I couldn't mm -hmm. stop getting high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 November 20th, I'd say 21st because, excuse me, I smoked cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes and I smoked because I had a layover in, and listen, I had a layover in Houston. Was it Houston or Dallas? One of the big airports there coming and I went out to smoke and then I needed, because I didn't have any more cigarettes. I um, was bumming a cigarette from this dude and I heard the enemy tell me, that I should just leave and get lost in the city. I mean, literally, I'm not kidding. It was like I could have went with this dude. And like I ran back into the airport because I just wanted help so bad. But like he was wanting me to go to a different state, a different city. I've never like been there. And I could have just started that life like that. Left my suitcase. And I, you know, I was that close. But Jesus was like, run. And so... So I had smoked. So when I got there on the 20th, I made my clean date the 21st because there was no smoking. And so I quit everything. Yeah, everything. So I haven't had a cigarette, heroin crack on any of that since November 21st, 2018. Congratulations. Yeah, that's amazing. Jesus is, is amazing. So Sandra, what is it that you really want people to know now that you have a little distance and you have some space from here to there? What do you want people to know? I want people to know that this stuff is real and that, I mean, it's, I know that the sound of freedom, I'm going to see it tomorrow. I'm ready. I'm going to see it tomorrow. So yes, I am. Me and another graduate are going together to see Good. it. I, buddy I system. You need the buddy yeah, system. Yeah. My yeah. counselor, yeah. she said that I was ready. So, okay. um, 
and we can always get up and walk out. Like mm -hmm. we don't have to sit there, you know? So, but I want people to know that it's real and that Jesus is the answer for all of this. And these programs like Refuge for Women, True ID, Rethreaded, all the different things, because it doesn't go away in one night. It's no. a long process of healing. Look, I go to counseling every Monday. People would think that that's life because I came here at 59 years old. Okay. That was a lot of years of being perpetrated against and perpetrating myself with drugs and prostituting, then getting traffic and all the different things, trauma, 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 trauma. So I have a lot of stuff. I just found out that we have, I have more family secrets that I've been hiding with that has to do with my grandfather. And I was told my big brother, when he passed away, he told me a family secret that I stuffed and I've just told my pastor about it. And I'm going to have to tell a family member about something. And it's so traumatic, but God wants the truth and all the secrets are coming out and he's healing me from them. So basically people, I would love them to understand that we don't get well in a week's time. Hmm. And, but if we get into get help and get in these places, I'm just so grateful that Rethreaded did not just fire me and kick me to the curb. They knew and they loved me and they sent me here. That was so Jesus. They didn't have to do that. They could have just fired me and said, see you later, bye, which I've had that happen. I was at a job for a long time and I kept using and they were like, peace out, even though I was their top telemarketer because I was good when I wasn't so high. <laughs> but they, they were like, bye, which I mean, that they're right to, but they didn't know. They didn't know what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is, is people understanding, you know, people don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to be sick a needle in my arm. Things have happened, mm -hmm. you know, and or prostitution or trafficking, whatever. You don't just get like this. Right. And if you start looking at the people, you'll see the trauma and the triggers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Layers. We keep layers. hearing this layers right. and layers. Yes. 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 Yeah. Well, I appreciate what y'all are doing. When he told me, I actually went home that night and was talking to Jesus about it and was like crying because <sighs> I didn't know that. Well, I hadn't, I just met him because Pastor Sean and him and his wife were like, I just was amazing. It was a God meeting, but I was thanking God for y'all that you have a podcast that so people can share and they don't feel like some people can't share. They can't yeah. share their story because they're too traumatized or they're too, it's the shame. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm not ashamed anymore. You know what? The devil doesn't have that on me anymore. I lived in shame for so long and I'm not ashamed anymore. And people need to know there's victims out there that are survivors that need to share their story. Yeah. yeah that's why we call this podcast no longer a shame. It's, it's all about yeah, and, not being ashamed. Right. And right. I always <laughs> was amazed that Sean went to Las Vegas for that ministry and the work he's doing there. And, and we were all just thinking he was nuts going to Vegas. Who wants to live in Vegas, let alone as a pastor? Because that is, like you said, Sin City. But what, you know, the work he's doing there for trafficked women is just, it's amazing. And, and that's why he's there. God led him to there. To I help. love him. Like, yeah. so they love me to life. They help love me to life in a Christian arena, like where I yeah. could pray for people. God wants me to, where they help me 
that it, it's just amazing i love pastor sean and aaron and all, everybody at river church is amazing and they do love us and they understand because she was our program director she knew pastor sean and explained a lot of things to him about how traffic women that are being rescued you know like you don't just you know how we hug you have to yeah. be careful because yeah. of getting triggered and stuff and he learned so and like was so is so beautiful at ministering to us so it's amazing yeah I'm again so the love of jesus the love of jesus yeah <laughs> well and we've just discovered you know the power of sharing your story and i love that you say there's some parts i share publicly there's some things as needed and i think there's a lot of I don't know if it's intuition or, but that, you know, that by listening to God, we know when it's time. And even with my story, you know, there's, there's parts of it I don't share, but if, if somebody is in front of me that needs to hear it, I will share yeah. it yeah. Right. as a way of relating to them or helping them to relate right. to us, you know, to know that so many people that have gone through such horrible trauma feel like they're all alone because they can't tell anyone what happened to them because it's so horrible they think that no one else would understand but that's part of connecting is to realize you're not alone you don't have to feel like you're all alone amen that's so true that's so true and that's why sharing my story has been happening the lord telling me let me I, can i share this one story so I swore I would never go back to California because that's where the, all my young stuff happened. And so Annie, the one that was my program director at the Transitional House for Refuge, we had went on a trip and ended up having lunch with her second cousin. And so I'm just really transparent like now. And she started asking me about refuge because she knew Annie worked for refuge. Annie does not tell any of our stories. It's she's like, it's their story to tell. She doesn't say no nothing about us at all. And so the lady looks and she said, you need to share at my church. And she looked at Annie and she said, can you make that possible? And I'm like, yeah, because the Lord has told me to say yes. And so we end up, it was a month or so later, I didn't think it was going to happen. And it was during human trafficking month that they called. And so we went to California to this Lutheran church and Annie and I was, cause I'm really good at question answer. Like if you ask me a question, like that, but I'm getting better at just sharing my story now. It used to be, no, we got to do it this way. Well, we were going to do it that way. And that morning in the hotel room, the Lord said, I don't want you to do it that way. He said, I want you to share. And he said, I just want you to go up there and I'll, and I'll share through you. So I, and I spoke two times at both services and I ha I'll never forget. I had to walk up these steps and they were like wooden. And I thought I was going to fall because I had these heels on and like all these thoughts were going in my head. And this was a big Lutheran church, big, huge. And so the first time I shared and we had a table set up for refuge, I share and I like go down. And so then we were at the table and I see, and they had a woman pastor. So I see her talking to Annie's second cousin and they're like really animated. So I walked over there and the, the pastor's got tears in her eyes. Okay. So a 71 year old retired doctor came up to her and was crying. She had been sexually assaulted from a child all up through her teenagers and never told anyone. She didn't go to drugs and stuff. She became a professional and her life was perfect. And that, and that, you know what? I forgot. I left this one thing out because I told Annie the Lord, I felt if just one person 
got mm. free that I was supposed to do it this way. And I was so nervous because it was really the first time that I got up without asking, getting asked questions. And I just shared. And this woman went to her pastor immediately and asked for help. And I like lost it. I could, I had to go in the bathroom. I was crying so hard and thanking Jesus that I was obedient, even though I was afraid. And then I shared and the 71, she'd been holding it 71 years and never told a soul. And the pastor said, I would have never, her life is like perfect, nice house, retired this and that. My heart was just, I can't tell you how I felt that I was obedient, that she's going to get help before she passes away. Mm. Some freedom, like me, 59 years old. So yeah, anyways. Um, where that came that just came out. No, but that's <laughs> I love that story. That's important. When I ran the day center for homeless women, we had people get up and share their story. And, and one woman shared her story of uh, childhood sexual abuse. And there was a woman probably late sixties took me aside and said that happened to me. And I never told anyone. And so mm -hmm. we were able to suggest counseling. But, you know, Kevin and I know the statistic is 26 years, but I think it's a lot more, a lot longer, and especially older people, because nobody did believe them. Your yeah. mom, she wasn't even curious. In her heart, she probably knew because it probably happened to her. But well, listen to what when I did tell my mom, this is what she said to me. She said, Oh, this pissed me off. Sorry, Lord. She said, and this was before she got saved. I need to reiterate that. She turned to me and she looked at me and she said, I believe you because Ellen divorced him because she found out he was molesting his sons. Not she believed me because I told her. She believed me because Ellen found out that he was finally found out, which they were older, like teenagers and stuff. But like, she didn't believe me. She believed Ellen, her friend, because, and man, that I had to forgive my mom for that. And then I just kept it in because then mom didn't believe me. So nobody else is going to believe me and mm -hmm. just shoved it down farther and farther until God said, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. We all have so many reasons we're told or taught not to talk about or not that someone's, no one's going to believe us, that mm -hmm. they're going to downplay it. They're going to say that, you know, we're just making it up, all these things. Right. And that. once we learn those, we hold on to them. And and it's hard enough with all the shame and all the, the feelings we have about, but when you're not believed, then that just, that just makes it real that no one's going to believe us. It just, you know, it just makes it so much harder to talk about. And, and that it, when it turns into being a lifestyle, like trafficking, or I don't mean lifestyle, but it's your life. Like you look at the woman who was 73 and she, you know, she went inward and became a perfectionist and was probably tortured in her mind, but that, that it's, you know, as, as we walk out, as we learn that, you know, you had mentioned process, but also um, that mindset of learning how to love yourself, learning how to let go, learning how to, like you said, forgive others that, you know, there's, there's just so many layers to it. And that 
what what I was what I'm trying to get to by this is that you found Jesus early on and it didn't it didn't change what was happening to you but also it gave you a sense when you were in the one situation to know this isn't good and that you you did have a home to come back to and I feel like if if your story could teach us anything it's to have grace I I lost a friend last year who continually relapsed and I think there was probably something in her childhood and I think of her all the time. And and when you're telling your story, I think had had she been able to get past the drugs and alcohol to the real story and get the help for that, she might still be here today. I don't know. But everyone was like, you're a chronic relapser. They, there was no grace for her in any yeah. of the housing programs, in any any of the situations she was in. I was stuff. And then it's, but when do you I mean, because I just posted something today and it was the picture of a little dirty little lamb and you can see Jesus running. And I put, no matter how many times you lose yourself, he always comes after you. No matter how many times we get dirty and get lost, he comes after us. And shouldn't we? Yeah. Because we're, we're Jesus with skin on. We're Jesus with skin on to people that when I go minister to the homeless people, whether they smell or they're all yearning and I hug them and pray with them, the Lord lets me feel a minute, my heart feels like, this is going to sound crazy, but my heart feels like it's going to explode because Jesus lets me feel just a little minute of how much he loves them when I look in their eyes. And one time, and it was recent and it totally tripped me out. She said, I see Jesus in your eyes. And I mm. loved it. Mm. But that's how people were to me. They didn't give up on me. They yeah. didn't throw me away. Yeah. They saw and they knew that Jesus loved me and that I had a purpose. I have a purpose and God has a plan for me. And it's never too late. No. And that's mm. what I was just going to say. And it's never too late. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so easy for us to give up or to just throw away people that we don't feel like they're contributing or they're doing anything useful or they just keep failing. You know, we just look at it as a failure when someone relapses. We don't understand what they're going through. We don't even want to understand. We don't want to try and understand. We just look at them and say, they're just doing it again. They'll, they'll you know. Because they want to. They don't care about what they're doing to the family or doing. Do you know, I understand that I hated myself when I was using and disappointing my children. I hated myself. I was the worst hater of myself. Yeah. I mean, because my kids, you know but they loved me. My family's been restored and it's still being restored. God is so good. They're so proud of me. And I keep telling them it's Jesus. It's Jesus. I spent a lot of my life hating myself and doing things to reinforce that. And, and a lot of the things I did were because I hated myself and because I felt like there was something wrong with me, something bad with me. And so I had to prove that by doing things that were wrong, that were bad, right. and, you know, and I felt like I didn't matter. So whatever I did didn't matter. So I just continued that that cycle of proving that there was something wrong with me. Wrong with me. I knew there was something wrong with me. It was me. And that was in my mindset as well, that, that you just said that. I forgot all about that, that I deserved all of this. I thought I deserved every single thing that yeah. happened to me 
yeah. because something was wrong with me and I deserved it. I mean, you can't make the stories up about all the pl- things that happened to me. I mean, like going into that sat- satanic foster home, oh. literally, we're still dealing with that with my counselor. I, that I pushed aside because there was other stuff because that's deep. And I'm so grateful again for Refuge for Women that I still am getting counseling to them. It's not costing me anything because someone someone is a grant or something. I don't even know how that I'm getting counseling, but I need it. It was funny in December, I asked Virginia, the secretary, because I started having anxiety about not seeing Jennifer because I've just been seeing her. And I'm like, when am I not going to be able to see her anymore? It's going to cost me. And she's like, Sandra, you need to stop. I've got you scheduled all the way into March. This was December, you know, and she goes, don't worry about it. And I'm just so grateful for the grants or however they pay for us to continue here to go to this Christian counseling that has helped change my life and is still continuing to help me to learn to love myself. Because that was another thing you said. I I just didn't love myself. I hated myself so much. I I had to learn to love myself. Mm. I'm still learning to love myself. We hate ourselves for so long. It's foreign to love ourselves. It's easier to love you, but to love myself, I'm still learning. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for sharing all these parts of your story. And all I can think is we like to do panels and there's so many things you brought up that we would love to have you come back for. There's a couple things we always pray before we go, but I want people to know how to reach you. If if they want to hear more about your story, is there a way they can reach out to you? Well, I have an email or well, I can give you my email. It's sunshinesandra1960 at gmail.com. I I also like, um I do a TikTok. I think I'm Sunshine Sandra on TikTok where the Lord has had me do this on Facebook too, because yeah. this is what he showed me is that people, I'm sorry, I'm going to lose it. It hurts my heart every time because I know it hurts Jesus. Sorry. That I say, good morning, beautiful family and friends. If no one's told you yet today that you are loved, Jesus loves you. And so do I. If you need prayer, let me know. I'm a prayer warrior. If you need prayer, let me know. I'll pray for you. And I'm serious about that because people prayed for me and pray with me. So TikTok, Facebook, my Gmail, I'm here. Awesome. Well, usually we have Kevin start, but it would be so great if you let us off in prayer this time. So that's it for today. We are going to have a prayer time if you want to stick with us. If not, we believe in you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. If you like this podcast, please rate and review because that's how other people can find us. And we really want to spread this message. Well, Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this time. And um, Lord, I just ask that whoever hears this, Lord, that you can lead them to healing. Lord Jesus, that you can lead them just like you led me, Lord. I just thank you for this podcast. I just ask that you continue to bless it, Lord. Lead them to people that need to share their stories, Lord Jesus, and continue to use these airwaves for healing, Lord. And bringing glory to you, Jesus, because it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about me. It's about you and what you've done in my life and in Kevin's life. And I just, I can't lose it. (laughs) I thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. I just praise you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity to be able to share what you've done in my life, Lord. And I just, I can't, I just want people to know that there's healing, that you don't have to live in secret anymore, that there's healing 
in his name is Jesus. Father, we're so grateful for Sandra sharing your story, Lord. We know it's hard. It's hard to share a story. It's hard to know where to start, when to end, how much to share. But I'm so grateful that she is so willing to be vulnerable. And and Lord, I thank you for the ministries that are supporting her and that someone listening might think, I want to help. And the way they can help is by donating, Lord, that, that these ministries are so important because it is a big, long process and would be so awesome. Like Sandra said, some people get healed and one and done and, and li- their life goes on. But we know that that's not the norm and that it takes a long process, a, a lot of counseling, a lot of un- uncovering and relearning. And Lord, I just thank you for her willingness to do that. And Lord, thank you that you're teaching her to love herself and to teach others to love themselves, because we know that's what you want, that you love us. And it hurts your heart when we don't love ourselves. And so I thank you for all that work you're doing, Father. I thank you that you are a good, good God. And thank you for the the story she told about you know, you telling him no, but uh, he wasn't listening to you, Lord, that we live in a broken world and that bad things do happen, but it's not that you ever intended it. And Father, when people say it was meant to be, I just, it hurts my heart because no child is ever meant to be abused. I don't I don't think that's ever what you intended for their life. And I thank you that uh, you are there, that because of you, we can find freedom and healing in your son's name. Father, I thank you for all your blessings, especially for your stubborn persistence in our lives lord that you don't give up on us even when we give up on ourselves you love us even when we hate ourselves and when we give in to you your love shines through us and others see your love in us and are drawn to you in us lord and i just praise you for the work you've done in Sandra's life and the work mm-hmm. she's doing to help mm-hmm. others to come to healing, to come to you, Jesus. Lord, I just praise you for that. And I just pray that you would continue to bless her and bless those that have helped her and bless those that she is helping, Lord. Just pray you would continue to bring those to her that need to have your presence in their lives and that are drawn to your presence in their lives and that even if they've given up on themselves, that they would find someone that wouldn't give up on them. And Lord, I just thank you for introducing me to Sandra. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful Mm -hmm. for the work you've done with my nephew, Sean, bringing him to Las Vegas so that I could meet his friends and his family there. And I'm just thankful that Sandra is part of our family. And I just love what she is doing, Lord, and that she had the courage to share her story, even though she was afraid, that she listened to you and and showed that bravery to share her story tonight. And Lord, I just thank you so much that you care about us that much. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.